एवरीवन यू आर लिसनिंग टू अ फ्रेश न्यू एपिसोड ऑफ माय कास्ट सीजन 5 द एलम सागा आई एम योर कोहोस्ट जय एंड आई एम योर कोहोस्ट दृष्टि टुडे वी हैव विद अस अनिरबान मजमदार एन एलमनस ऑफ माइका फ्रॉम द बैच ऑफ 1997 ही इज करंटली द चीफ स्ट्रेटजी ऑफिसर एट 82.5 कम्युनिकेशंस सो वेलकम टू द शो इट्स अ प्लेजर टू हैव यू हियर Thanks thanks so much Jay thanks Trishti thrilled to be here actually it's been a while thank you sir so so 23 years ago you graduated from Mica and today you are the chief strategy officer at 82.5 so could you tell us about your inhibitions and aspirations as a fresh graduate and how have they changed over the years so i think one thing with that question is that it actually pertains to pretty much i think a different era drishti so yeah that time i don't think we were as connected as we are today so i think when i when i um, graduated from mica the inhibition i think was always about this whole um, moving into a corporate reality because i actually come from a very small uh, smallish town in india called durgapur so for me to move to a mumbai was you know in many ways very daunting because it was like uh, you know a very different world so i think there was a lot of um, inhibition around that right i think um, the other one was how you would fit in because you know theory at the end of the day is never translates in exactly the same way in the real world so i think there is was a bit of a worry on how i would uh, you know actually cope with that would i be able to deliver um because at the, that time you know uh, when you just graduating you also worried about you know Uh, how you are going to acquit yourself because this was early days of micas the course as well we were the second yeah. course so there i think was that um, i don't know necessary or unnecessary but a definitely an added sense of responsibility and um, i think um, i think there were a couple of things i think the aspiration definitely was to create extremely memorable work and uh, one of the things which i think early on for me and has continued to be a area of uh, aspiration is the ability for us in communication to genuinely affect business i mean in the sense of uh, indian rupees kind of thing mm-hmm. because yeah. uh, end of the day we are you know doing ads so there is a lot of intermediate measures whether they are awareness top of mind branded cut through execution or cut through that we are getting measured by but fundamentally to be able to be at the forefront of uh, uh, making a difference to business was big agreed sir agreed uh so we know that you have worked with big names like leo burnett mudra communications chlorophyll and now 82.5 communications so sir what has been your experience in working with each of these and how have they shaped you so i think uh, jed to answer that um, i started with a company called rediffusion rediffusion divine i was there for about a year so frankly even that stint was kind of uh, helpful because i learned my ropes there uh frankly of, of business um in terms of uh, moving on to burnet i think uh, simply by the function that i was there for about the longest period of time it, i was there for almost 10 years in total i think about uh, from 98 through to about 2008 and out of that about 8 years in india and two and a half three years abroad so burnet i think uh, was a great experience to me because uh, of the sheer variety of um, you know assignments that one worked on and as one grew the the evolution of responsibilities 
the evolution and also we were in a very exciting phase india had just liberalized so the 2000s i think were phenomenally exciting in terms of both growth quality of work uh, and also the challenges uh, that were coming yeah. so i think uh, burnet uh, was a great experience because uh, it made me i think really understand the fundamentals very well because when you work with companies like png you get a very uh, ringside and an insider view of business translating to marketing and therefore communication and not the other way i think okay. other thing i want to call out jay was the fact that fantastic partnerships because i think i learned so much from all the creative uh, leaders that i worked with which is agnello dias later on nitesh tiwari kumoda uh, rao um so i think those were the two or three big things that that stood out to me and the fun thing of the international exposure was that was fabulous i think uh, that was so great because i actually was managing around six uh, different uh, countries uh, from based out of manila so each of those had such distinct cultures and you you know that was that was very interesting interesting sir interesting so you mentioned about international markets and how it was a fabulous experience so can you please narrate or share an incident or any particular learning <laughs> uh, so i think the fun thing was that when i um, went from here to base out of manila um i was i went on the on the laundry business and one of the you know important thoughts at that time was that we were running a campaign in india uh, called the tide uh it's it's that white stripe that goes across so we were actually yeah, yeah. original days of bringing that into the country and the idea was to actually take that entire campaign to international markets so obviously it's like actually telling you know countries which have their own identity and business saying that you know why don't you you know adopt and you know work with an idea that came, comes from somewhere else i mean it's not like people there don't have ideas right but you know so i think uh, uh, we actually in fact took an execution specifically from india and we re-rendered that for uh, philippines and vietnam but both of those countries finally created films that were so local and so distinct that you could never make out that the core original insight or thought actually came from a camp campaign elsewhere so i think that whole process of resistance to acceptance to then saying okay let's see what we can do with it to absolute sheer brilliance i think and both the countries they really responded well in terms of business results which was the best part for all of us that's great right sir interesting uh so moving on from there uh, you know job hopping is on the rise in fact not just job hopping industry hopping as well so did you ever dabble with this dilemma of switching the industry or like how did you find your calling so jay i think i have been tempted many times to actually yeah switch more to the corporate side and uh, uh i think my i mean at home my wife who's also a batchmate from 97 um she actually did um, uh, dabble in the corporate world for a little bit i i quickly realized that i think environmentally um, the the way they operate inside a more structured sort of environment and the kind of thing it requires you was not really something that i was very excited by so i don't know jay whether it's calling or no but i definitely felt that i reveled and enjoyed in the concept of variety 
the idea of width, the fact that I'm selling elevators in the morning, which is an industrial product, uh, engineering, and I'm selling, say, thumbs up uh, in the evening, or, uh, you know, I think that diversity that you get when you work in, in the communications side of it, or even the brand or brand consulting side of yeah. it, I think is, is unmatched. So for me, I think the quandary, the question came up, but I don't think the, uh, it, it got very quickly resolved to my mind. That's great. So, so, so you're mentioning about these roles and during the fast changing times, can you mention any one skill that cannot be taught, but, but it has to be acquired on the go. So for brand building or for advertising? Yeah. So I think Drishti, one or two things, one observation I have on the question itself is that there are uh, a certain degree of things which are what I call skill or vocational, which is basically practitioners who have worked in that, they have built a certain body of knowledge, which we try to impart in a classroom. Most of other, then they will start applying that skill. So I don't think it cannot be, uh, you're right, it's acquired, but it's acquired because of Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule. When you practice, you you figure it out. And 60, 70%, I think all of us have the same experience and 30% is our uniqueness. We as professionals, we do. But if there was one skill, I think that's critical for all of us. And especially in the context of the new world, I think it is um, about understanding and keeping the human being as the sole focus of everything that you do. At least it clarifies to me. So if somebody is discussing with me, oh, what is going to be our content strategy or what is going to be our pricing strategy or anything deep, go back and think about what what would it mean to me, my mom, my dad, my friend, my brother, my so and so, I think it's very, very clarifying. So focus on the human being, I think, as the soul and the most important aspect of your work and life. And I think that's, so develop a sense of empathy, have a keen sense of observation. It's not like you're constantly in surveillance mode, but always have the ability to try and think back, saying what happened when I had those. So remember interesting characters. Uh, you know, and stories or things that happen around you, anecdotes, um, you know, follow, if you're Instagram, take some time to go on to humans of NY, humans of Bombay. Mm. You understand? So individual human stories, because see, anything you become expert Mm. at is going to go into code and become AI. (laughs) Because if we can processify it, then it's AI. And, you know, our philosophy, we always say there is the whole world is Maya. Now we have Maya square because we see the world like this to a screen. Mm-hmm. So it's illusion multiplied by illusion. So I think real and human are going to be the two things that are going to help you clarify anything in the world. Even if it's a deep business question, just go out there and say, what's really happening? With it? That's a good insight, sir. So, so you mentioned about Malcolm Gladwell uh, and the 10,000 hour rule. So, so yeah. did you ever put that into practice or try? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think it, it, it ends up working like that. It's just that I discovered the idea and then you retrospectively think, yeah, maybe he's right. Because, you know, he's... So, I think uh, there is something to it. Uh, and anyway, meaning I'm sure the opposite is equally true. If you have probably a natural tendency for something but yes i think um, i do believe that on um, certain when you are getting into new things because i think one of the 
going back to question one, inhibitions in the new world is what I call a relentless relevance anxiety because things are changing so fast, so constantly. So keeping oneself updated. So I think the best way is even if you take a Coursera or whatever you want to do on something on Python or whatever you want, but then putting it into practice repeatedly, even if your main work doesn't allow you that much of time or opportunity is going to be critical. So to I think the 10,000 hour rule applies to the fact that if you are trying to master something, okay, or become fairly adept at it, the certification is only the starting point. You'll have to find ways in which you ensure that you are practicing enough till you reach that level of comfort at least, even if it's not. Right. So, so, so we yeah. often hear about this is the correct thing to do in marketing or advertising domain. But it's like we learn from other people's mistakes. So what are the don'ts for an advertising or marketing agency? Okay. Um, yeah, I think uh, there are quite a few big don'ts actually uh, for advertising. Um, I think it's like do's and don'ts are probably two faces of the same coin. So probably, But I think if you were to start with never, ever, ever do something like that, I think is... Uh, I think the first one that comes to my mind is, you know, uh, recently we were at a training with this uh, two guys who were uh, trying to help the industry really shape up for the new world. And um, many a times we, we uh, you know, cite examples of the IT business or the consulting business and how they really do. So I think the, one of the first things is that uh, I think a lot of times uh, we've tended to look at the dead delivery deadlines or the the need for a solution within a very time strong or limited time as a challenge but i think we should never look at it like that we should i think that is a soul of creativity itself that you should look at it more as an opportunity to you know develop individually that's a big insight into consulting looking at client uh, mandates deliveries even things as not personal challenges, but as personal opportunities. So I think the first no, never do is to not look at, you know, uh, any of these in a limited operating way and look at it as a challenge. Think about how it's challenging you actually to become better. And that's a big no, I think, in recent times. And uh, that's sort of come. Uh, the second one, in my mind, is you might find it funny, but I really believe that in the new world, we should not compete. We should collaborate. Because I think competition actually mm. is like, yes. uh, you know, in friction, there is fire, but there's also a lot of erosion. So as far as possible, if we can find synergistic consultants, friends, people, I mean, or even in our internal conversations, I don't think we need to look at getting one up because the whole concept of ideation is um, all about building on each other's ideas. So I think collab never compete is, is going to be my second don't. If it's possible, I know it's idealistic, but if we keep that in mind, is already, I think, 50% of the battle. Yeah, sir. So, so you have very nicely covered what all happens in this advertising space. Uh, and now, since we have spoken about ads, uh, so we wanted to know which is your most favorite advertisement or campaign and uh, why? Uh, so I think um, this is going to be difficult <laughs> asking for just one. But um, I think, uh, uh, I don't think I'll ever, ever get over the the very old Cadbury's Kuch Khaas Hai Hum Sabhi Mein um, Girl on the Field. 
I think many of us joined advertising because, you know, the feeling it gave you and the entire, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, it, it told you that even if we are working in commercial persuasion and, you know, used to have this discussions around being, uh, powering the wheel of capitalism and all of that jazz, I thought that you could do something meaningful and entertaining and, you know, give some fun to 30 seconds of people's lives. At the end of the day, you are actually an interruption, right? So I think that that will always sort of stand out to me. Globally, uh, I, I think very recently we had, uh, uh, you know, a uh, few commercials that were really good. But um, all-time um, favorite, I would say, is um, not actually the advertising, but actually the entire fact that the advertising agency was able to completely turn the brand around. So this is a case study you might not, you guys may not know. But there was a very, a brand in great trouble called French Connection of the UK. So somebody from the advertising, because in advertising, we normally get briefed. So we convey an advantage. We seldom ever create it. But this was an exception where the person looked at it uh, and he said, French Connection of the UK, what can you do with this dowdy fashion label? And stared at it hard enough and FC UK was born. So I think that single inflection changed that brand, at least at that time. I'm not completely up to date with the current numbers and sales. Um, I think that, that continues to be... A, sort of a, a great inspiration for me um, in, in my personal career. Um, yeah, and I think uh, some of the work over the last year we have been doing from 82.5 as part of the Ogilvy Group, uh, I think the Bisleri campaign really stands out uh, as, as really great fun. I th also thought the idea of using camels for water and I was just, I, it's one of those connections which is, makes you feel so good, right? Right, I yes. Got it through. So, yeah, absolutely. So those, I think, are, are standard parts um, for me. So, so talking on the same lines, what has been one of your contribution to 82.5 or, you know, throughout your journey, be it big or small, but it's, you know, close to your heart? So I think um, 82.5 uh, and Ogilvy have happened to me uh, very recently. I, I started there in, uh, just about two, three months back. And I'd like to believe that we uh, I mean, have been able to uh, look, get our, because I think at, at, uh, uh, my job is more about creating uh, better strategists than, you know, myself. So I think we are taking some good strides in that direction, hopefully. And some of the new briefs and ideas we've recently had conversations with in the agency hopefully are, are going to turn into exciting work. But I think the one that is really close to my heart is, um, there are two. Um, one is this, uh, the, my first ever campaign was for a brand for Kawasaki Bajaj Caliber. Uh, this was in 98. Um, actually, at that time, Bajaj was not a great, uh, you know, not that strongly known for its equity in motorcycles. It was a great scooter maker. I think on why I love that ad is apart from the fact that we did a fantastically innovative research where we actually sang songs to consumers because we wanted to understand which song resonated with their view of life the most. And it was really interesting that actually between the two-stroke Yamaha youngster and the 
uh, splendor buyer, the four-stroke guy, there was a very distinct difference in how they had started to look at their life. And Caliber was literally built on that. We, in fact, got the same, the song that got chosen by consumers as resonant for them, we got, was written by Majru Sultanpur. So we actually went to him and got him to write the song for Caliber. So right, I think, from the consumer inquiry piece to, uh, you know, how we uh, executed it, it was a great case of, I thought, excellence. And I would have been very, very, if you had told me before Caliber that purely strong emotional resonance advertising without much emphasis on product, because we didn't want to extol much on product at that time, would, would give some energy to a brand. I, wouldn't, I would have been skeptical, but Caliber did that. I mean, before we launched that, we were selling 8,500 mics or so a month um, at a total portfolio level. And I think that this brand alone, after launch, went to close to 17,000 a number, which was a very significant number at that time for us as a player. So I think um, that will continue to be a very, very special campaign uh, for me. And the other one is that uh, walking the, the path with a company called Intuit, uh, which is basically a... Um, so it's not so much of a campaign as much as, uh, uh, you know, walking with them on their great place to work journey from uh, around 2014 till about 20, so around five or four or five years. And they came, uh, they became the best place to work in India in 2017, I think, for the first time. And then they repeated the feat in 19 or 16 and 18, something like that. So I think that was a very rewarding journey. We, in fact, came up with a campaign called I Am Intuit. Uh, I mean, Obviously, fun fully intended, uh, which was uh, which became a big, uh, which was a big uh, sort of a success with uh, the entire tech uh, audience inside uh, the campus. So I think that that really propelled um, uh, into it in many ways on the on the talent front. So I think those two would be uh, campaigns that I'd call out. So Sajin talked about contribution. Now we want to know. What, what are mistakes have you done in the past? Any incident you still remember? And uh, how did you rectify it? Oh, tons, Jay. I think uh, <laughs> life is uh, littered with mistakes. And I think, no, I think the, the good thing is that um, it's it's like how Sir Ken Robinson always says that, you know, uh, hopefully most of you will be in environments where, where environments where mistakes are not necessarily stigmatized. So, being wrong and being creative are not the same thing. But if you're not prepared to be wrong, you can't be. So I think the uh, large one that was very recently, um, I'm not getting into the details of it, but on a specific brand, I think I was very passionate about an insight and the uh, way we should do a particular story or campaign. And I think the, we went ahead with it as a team saying, hey, it sounds very good. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that was completely in sync with the way the brand was. So we were talking about a very sentimental, slightly emotional story for a brand that has always been very fun, easygoing, uh, for the lack of a better word, loud, and extremely happy in the fact that it's a bit of a challenger. It's It comes from its own sort of world of uh, innovations and bringing. So it, it was, it, the moment you are an innovations-led brand, your focus should be to announce that innovation and how it disrupts the status quo. It can't be, I mean, I'm so fundamentally, I think that was a bit of an effort that didn't really work well for the client or for the company or anybody. But I think the good thing of it was the client, uh, because it was not a client who said, 
uh, turned around and said that how come you did something like this and all of that they said look even we felt it would work but that's okay let's move on and you know and i think we got back on track so would we rectify it not really because sometimes you know when the arrow goes out of the uh, bow it's like gone forever but i think uh, you can only learn uh, from what happened and that's made me i think a lot more clearer on the concept of a brand dna and keeping that always in mind i mean you can't get also i think the way we were going to make that kind of a campaign successful was not only through tv it required a different kind of spread so you know you can't think that you know just because i'm inspired by a certain kind of brand right like you know the brands like you can always use them as an inspiration but the exact plan or map will not work for you you need to see what's true to you as what are your strengths what are you talking about for example and what's the right idea you can't just say acha since uh, fevicol is doing this i might as well appropriate and do something humorous but it may not be i mean your promoter might not come from there he might be actually more service oriented so why would you do that but you take that as a principle and you can still use disruption as a concept but you don't try to uh, copy it that's a great sir so we will move on to the next segment so we will take you down the memory lane at mica so uh, can you share uh, the most memorable memory from that time <laughs> most memorable memory for me would be would end up being the fact that uh, you know uh, i found my soulmate on campus and <laughs> we ended up getting married etc but yeah i think uh, there have been quite a few um, so 97 when we landed up there, 95 when we landed up there um, the hostels there were about a couple of them and our uh, first batch had just moved in uh, on right. campus so um, except for i think five of our uh, batchmates uh, women batchmates who managed to get room on campus we were staying at a place called shivashish which is in sterling city in bopal uh, that kind of a thing so it was though that continues to be the most enduring <laughs> memory for us so that a chaotic little school with rooms uh, that uh, go upstairs and have like a you know those uh, wooden tables ke upar you know the wo shaadi wagera mein hote na that kind of uh, thing mein khana and we used to have a bus that yeah. would go and take by break us back and forth from campus and we had a very uh, whimsical uh, driver called mulchan right and <laughs> so i think those will always be a uh, big mem- memories for us and also there was a very controversial cricket match we had not controversial i think we just got carried away we had our uh, fights and all of that so i think there were quite a few uh, you know interesting things that happened sounds so, really fun so yes yes So, sir, what is that one thing? Like we've talked about your one memory. What is that one thing about Mica that you still latch on to? I think um, it's always um, it is really just those walks along the campus because it was not as um, you know built up as it is now. But I think the whole um, walk right down from the gate through the uh, through to you know Chota, and then you walk back uh, right. towards the hostels so i used to be mostly found on that path even in the coldest times and uh, that walk was very clarifying and liberating for me and uh, used to have the i mean on good days on winter the sky would be open so i think to me 
that aspect of um, you know uh, being in a place like that that continues to be a uh, i think a very strong and powerful memory uh, for me um i think that's the one thing i always sort of uh, go back to uh, whenever i went back i think in 2016 or i don't remember which no no 2016 i think 2019 december was our 25 year or something so we were just driven down from bombay uh, when campus was not full sometime in end december um so yeah i mean it's it's quite a few things have changed but i think that whole aspect of nature continues to you know be something i agree sir yeah so uh, so before we conclude uh, we ask this question to every guest so describe maika in one word <laughs> <laughs> sir every speaker had a, a bit of a tough time uh, articulating this <laughs> so like our industry i think uh, i'll give you one word but i'll give you two options um, so you can choose which you want i think one of the things i always feel is this one word which is creative i think i really believe that at people who come from mica have that slight streak in them which is a little off center it's not completely linear and i think um, that to me is the essence of of uh, mica in one word which is that we understand it's not about communication see that's what i'm saying it's not about the what, what it's about the joy of saying can i look at something and see if there is a you know make connections um because at our time the i think the uh, the tagline used to be the language begins here and i think uh, the whole point of uh, creativity really being actually a shared language and i think that's what also brings micans together when we i'm sure across generations when we when we communicate and i do communicate with a lot of people across generations and i think the other one which is as an option i could say is a very different word uh, but i think it's very true for us uh, because i think of that campus and the way we all thrive and grow together i think we become fairly positive you know so i use a word called alacrity which is a very mm-hmm. eager and uh, positive kind of way of say uh, of urgency and promptness but that is very 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 eager very enthusiastic very joyous you know <laughs> thank you so much so thank you so much that was a wrap so i'm sure the listeners will have a lot to take away thank you thank you so much for having me really thrilled wish you all the best at my college yeah, thank you so thank you sir